0: I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time, and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Today we have in the studio Dr. Torrance Stevens. Dr. Stevens is a graduate of Morehouse College where he studies psychology, biology, and chemistry. He received a master's Degree in Education, Psychology, and Measurement from Atlanta University and a PhD in Counseling from Clark Atlanta University. Currently, he teaches in the Psychology Department at Clark Atlanta University. Today, we have him in the studio. And our topic of discussion is before and after Trump in Black America. Many of y'all may be familiar with the brother. He has appeared in Elementary Genocide. The school to prison pipeline. He also came out to our debut screening, and we did a couple of other things together. And we got more in the works. Uh, brother, how are you doing?
1: I'm well, and yourself?
0: I'm doing very well, brother. All right, we're gonna get right to it. We're not gonna waste no time. Now, we know that Trump is in office, and I think it was a big surprise to many, but not to a few. And since he has been in office, he has implemented several policies. I want to ask you, in your humble opinion, um, is Trump—well, let's go back to the beginning, right? Why, in your opinion, is Trump the least popular president of the past 14 years?
1: I don't know, man. You know— I think a lot of it has to do that most of the information we get comes from like urban West Coast, East Coast, big cities. Like in my town, the 2300, almost everybody out there voted for Trump. White, Black, Latino, Asian, you know, but it's a small city. I think that most of the news major media outlets and the narratives come from populations where big people, big cities basically think the same.
0: You don't think it had anything to do with him
1: uh, being saying certain things that may be perceived as racist. Well, I mean, you know, it could be, like I said, but you know, I grew up with guys, you know, talking about, you know, that kind of stuff all the time. It never offended me then. So I wasn't really tripping off that as far as I think he said a lot of things that could be perceived as being very, uh, uh, prejudicial. I mean, uh, uh, prejudicial, very prejudiced and, and, and some that could be seen as being insensitive and vulgar. Um, I would imagine that a lot more people were uh, offended by just his candid stupidity on display more so than any of those comments. Stupidity is a lot more offended than me than just saying certain words. When you seem to show yourself as if you don't understand what you're doing, that's very uh, uh, disparaging.
0: Only 8% of the black vote went to Donald Trump, which proves he's not favorable to us. Mm-hmm. Do you think he would do anything for black folks?
1: Well, I think, I don't know. I mean, he's only been in office two, three weeks. You know, really, these white folks, I mean, he can't do no worse than Bill Clinton or Obama, probably. Uh, Eight percent of the vote is a lot compared to the Republicans over the last year since Nixon, maybe even since Eisenhower. He probably broke the record. But, you know, black folks really don't vote on policy. We vote strict Democratic. That's because we've been trained. It's like we on a Democratic plantation i I think he has some good ideas. I think that uh that new deal with black folks infrastructure jobs trying to uh, uh give incentives to to big businesses to come in the urban areas and provide jobs. I think that might work. I think his tax program might work you know uh flat twelve percent for anybody making five thousand- fifteen thousand dollars under a year or a family of two thirty thousand uh we should get a lot more money back but it i mean you know I have to see I just hope you know black folks hold his feet to the fire whether they like him or not. I mean, we didn't hold Obama feet to the fire. We were just happy that he was just a, a, a mulatto, a black man in the office. We were just happy he was black. You know, we never complained when he had uh, less than 1% of all small business administration loans go to black folks. We never complained when we saw the housing affordability index and home ownerships of black go down. I just think, you know, we should get off a race and just make sure they do what we want them to do. I don't care if you're black, white, or Asian, or Martian. If we don't stay on them, they ain't going to do nothing for us. All right, what about his cabinet pick? Because
0: we are seeing that, you know, there was, there was a poll that came out and said that his cabinet is the least intelligent
1: cabinet in the history of presidents. It's probably, that might be true, man. You know, it don't take a, you know, you don't have to be smart to do it. I know my teacher, I remember, she told me I wasn't going to be shit when I could left high school. That's what she told me. And I was a kid with a 185 IQ. You know, it depends on what we talk about smart, book smart. They obviously can make some money. Now I don't know about what they can do because I've never seen them. See, I'm I'm not I'm a scientist, so I'm not going to project. with I've never seen these people in politics. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I can't even tell them what their political acumen is. It's just like asking somebody, you know, let me see how 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 you think they're gonna cook. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen them cook. You know, I'm willing to give them a chance, but they' no different than any of these other crackers out here in the world, bro. Don't let it sleep. My mom and them always told me it's the it's the white man. Uh, uh, that don't wear his sheet, you should be the most concerned about when he wears sheet, at least, you know, where he coming from. But when he don't wear a sheet, that's when you need to work.
0: Let's go to uh, his new appointee uh, that just
1: got confirmed. uh the the
0: secretary of education,
1: Betsy DeVos, I believe. DeVos,
0: yeah. Um, what do you think about her?
1: I really don't know. I mean, she, I'm, I'm not like all these other articulate and, and, and extremely well read verse people. You know I had to get I informed myself, you know. I don't know anything about her. I don't watch TV, you know that. I don't, you know, I don't have internet at home. I haven't really informed myself about her. I don't know what she's done in education. But like I said, you know, she can't do no worse than what's already been done. Democrats been running uh Baltimore since 1941. Chicago since 1934. Cleveland and Flint since the 60s. And all we've seen is our public educations go down. You know me; I was homeschooled, so I'm biased. I grew up in the '60s in Memphis. They didn't trust white government schools to educate black men. So me and all my friends was homeschooled. You know, this was doing segregation. So my whole thing is, I don't know what she can do. I don't know if she's competent or not. She doesn't seem too competent to me, but I'm not gonna judge her by looks. I don't judge anybody by looks. But I'm quick to call if she mess up to say she's messing up. But like I said, I, I've never seen her. What is she? What is, do you know anything? Maybe you could help me out. What has she done?
0: I can tell you <laughs> one thing that she has uh, lobbied and donated millions and millions. I think it was almost uh, up to $20 million mm-hmm. to the Republican Party. Okay. You know, and we're talking about senators, congress members, and different things like that. She has no history of working in public education.
1: Well, do you have to work in public education well, to be involved? Well, well, hold on. Her kids
0: are um never went to a public school. Uh-huh. She's anti public education,
1: and she, you know, she her whole thing is she put millions, hundreds of millions. Well, I'm, maybe maybe I wow. shouldn't maybe I shouldn't come in on because you know how I am about government schools. I, I, like we talked, I said the problem with black folks. You go to school; they train you. You said you Absolutely. learn at home, so you know. I'm, I'm by. I don't know nothing about her, but you know, I've always had a a, a, a very a, a negative position of government public schools as it pertains to black folk. I mean, look at look at D.C. for example. They spend twenty nine thousand dollars per student, but eighty three percent of them can't read on the fourth grade level. I mean, money ain't the problem. There's a lot of countries that spend way less money. I mean, Finland, uh, Taiwan, yeah, single. They spend way less money, but their kids way more proficient. So right. I, I, you know, to me, I'm gonna be. I, okay, I'll be shallow. She looked like a dunce to me. But, I, you know, I don't, I, don't go, I don't take what people tell me out of TV. You know, if you don't control your mind, someone else will. So I prefer to fill it up and filter it out as a cordon. But I don't know. She looks like a dunce. But then again, they say I look like I sell drugs and I'm stupid too. So, you know.
0: <laughs> and you have a PhD.
1: Speak five languages.
0: And speak five languages. <laughs> and you also teach at the college. Yeah. What is the sentiment of your student?
1: Well, my students are basically, you know, they've been trained like all black folks have been on the Democratic plantation. You know, I, my, I, I, I've never considered the difference between a Democrat and Republican. They was all crooks to me. They ain't never did nothing for my community. You know, I probably would be something like a a a, 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 a free wig, free soil, libertarian, anything like that. You know what I mean? But... I've never really seen a difference between Republicans and Democrats. We've been in, in, inculcated, we've been trained to think that way. It's like Paulo Ferreira wrote in his book, The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. You learn to be oppressed. I mean, like I just pointed out about all these cities where they have Democratic mayors for the last 60, 70 years, they appoint the police commissioner, they appoint the city councilman, the chairs, and the people vote them typically all Democrat. They don't ever do nothing for us. And like I said, Hillary Clinton, I don't understand why these fools was voting for her anyway. She was just a female Trump the way I saw it. I mean, shoot. She was the one who who, who, who got her husband to push around these, these laws that, well, if you go to jail I mean, and you was a... Uh, 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 A felon, you come back out. No longer will you be able to get a Pell Grant. No longer could you stay at your parents' house. No longer could you get any type of government assistance. Oh, yeah, we're going to do that. That's going to be good. Oh, then we're going to give you three strikes and you're out, and we're going to give you mandatory minimums.
0: The omnibus crime bill.
1: The omnibus crime bill, which was introduced by Joe Biden, who was Obama's president. So I'm saying... You know, Republicans and Democrats, the same thing. And if you know, historically, when the first president of the United States came about, George Washington, he was an independent. But the presidents after them were either Federalists or what they call Democrat Republicans. Federalists were people like Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton believed that the government should have a lot more control. And the Democrat Republicans believed that the people should have more control of the government. Eventually, they broke off into the Whigs, into the Jacksonian Democrats and gave us what we have today. So the in the extreme sense of reduction analysis, we see that Democrats and Republicans are wanting the same thing. I mean, think of Crip and the Blood. they still a gangbanger. And many people don't know that the
0: first uh, Ku Klux Klan convention, uh, the first Ku Klux Klan they convention was held at the Democratic
1: convention. In 1924. Yeah, they were. But we, we all know that the Ku Klux Klan grew out of the Democratic Party in Tennessee uh, after the Civil War. I mean, the Klan was basically created to be the military wing of the Democratic Party. They would go around harassing Republicans and blacks who were running for office, burning people. Uh, in fact, if you go back and look at history from, I say, from 1864 to 1925, any newspaper, any uh, black political official or any Republicans or Democrats who supported blacks that were running for office, all of their deaths could be traced back to the KKK and the Democratic Party. I mean, a lot of people forget that uh, when we had Brown versus Board of Education, the people who dissented, were Democrats. When we had Plessy versus Ferguson, the only people who argued on behalf of us were Republicans. It wasn't Democrats. When we had uh, the Scottsboro case, and when we had Dred Scott, everybody who went against us, including Chief Justice uh, 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 I can't okay. forget his name. No, no I was, I was going to think Brandeis. I can't remember. But including Dred Scott, all of those people who were dissenting against it, who affirmed it, were Republicans. So...
0: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too much into politics. Um, I'm trying to stay abreast of it, and I and I did study the history of it, but I still haven't figured out why the change. Why? Why? How? How did blacks go from supporting the Republicans into supporting the Democrats? And then the, and it seems, in my view, that the Republicans nowadays are diametrically opposed to anything that would help and liberate black people.
1: Well, you have to remember that black people basically have been conservative all their life. And everything that Republicans stood for because of segregation was what we stood for. Own my own land, pay my own self, start my own business, keep my money. You know, that's how we used to be before desegregation. And then the plan really came about through perspective page, papers from the Ku Klux Klan and the Democratic Party is that we will never be in power unless we can convince black people that we have their best interests in hand and have them voting for us. And the way to do that was to break independence. That's why desegregation came about in a lot of these places in the South first, because they wanted to make us dependent on them, thinking that we could do they could do better for us than ourselves. And some of us bought the hype. You know, that's what it is. It was. It's called marketing. It's mark. I mean, that, why do you think black spoke vote? More Newports than uh, uh 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 Winston. Cause you go in the store, you gonna see twenty five Newport signs, maybe one Winston. It's marketing. Why you think black folks lining up at the middle of the night to buy shoes with money they ain't got to impress folks they know for five hundred dollars? Cause they got some name on it. It's marketing. This ain't got nothing to do with reason. It's manipulation. Edward Bernay, the son of Sigmund Freud, was the first person to really talk about using the power of propaganda to convince people to buy stuff or get stuff that they don't need because we can make people think that something is worth more than it is. I mean, that's all this is. Like I tell folks, there is no difference between a Republican and a Democrat. They are all crooks. I say, if you can see the distinction between a crip and a blood, just noticing it's a color, but having that reductionism to know that they still gang members, then you should be able to see the same in politics. But they get us on keywords, divide and conquer. That's the way they keep control. Once we all get together, blacks in the city, black in the countries, Asians, migrants, Muslims, white, rich and poor, once we get together, then they can't make no loot. Absolutely. They make their loot by keeping us at each other's throat. You know, it's called Bread and Circuses. That was what a a Roman poet wrote uh, a long time ago. Juvenile, Bread and Circuses. You know, you feed them food, you put uh, uh, reality TV and award shows and basketball games on, and we can do whatever we want with their minds. We can twist them up. You heard it
0: right here, folks, and that's Dr. Tommy Stevens. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the many books that he has offered.
1: Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m., with award winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always
2: to be sought. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the school-to-prison pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz-Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com.
3: Hey Atlanta, have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404 493 True Detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those HE washers. Just one ounce removes dirt, brightens fabrics, and leaves each load with a clean, fresh scent. Best of all, True contains no animal products, and it's safe for sensitive skin. Follow us on social media, True Detergent ATL.
4: Get your haircut with the latest styles today at Man Cave Barber and Beauty Salon. We're located in the city of Marietta at 903 Roswell Street. Ask for Robbie. Robbie is our general manager of our barbershop. Again, that's Man Cave Barber and Beauty Salon, 903 Roswell Street in the beautiful city of Marietta, Georgia, where you can get all the latest cuts and styles, you know, so you can be looking fresh to death. Man Cave Barber and Beauty Salon.
0: Yes, family. I have been receiving your emails. I received your text messages in regards to the latest installment of the Elementary Genocide documentary series. And as you know, each of our projects from Rasha Entertainment has been funded out of pocket. But now is the time we must ask our legions of supporters to donate to help in the completion of the latest installment of the series titled Elementary Genocide 3 Academic Holocaust. If you enjoyed any of our content or have received any value from the Elementary Genocide brand, you're going to love the latest installment. We are featuring Kaba Kenney, Ali, David Banner. Professor James Small, and Michael M. Hotep. And as you know, our company is independently owned. In order to protect our independence, we never accept funds from corporate sponsors. So, to continue this work and more, we urgently need your financial support. If you're unable to donate, please do not hesitate to share the link with your families and friends. And this link can be accessed by going to Elementarygenocide.com. Peace and blessing, family. All right, we're back with Necessary Podcast. And my name is Raheem Shabazz, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Torrance Stevens. All right, um, the topic of the discussion is about Trump. And black America.
1: Yeah, what we need to do with or without him, it's on us. Forget Trump. He's he just a token. He's just a, 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 a President Agent Orange, as someone told me today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me the top three.
1: First thing we need to do is to not run away from the options of school choice. Black folks pay so much money into these public government schools, but we don't get any uh, return for our dollars. So if you got a child and this is another school around you and they're doing better, you should be able to take your child to that school and the government pay for it if they're taking your money. School choice is not bad. Don't let these common core uh, big union teachers making $100,000 a year who spend more time in Linux Mall than the library tell you what to do with your kid. Number one. Number two, take advantage of the ability for you to uh, uh, collectively put your money together. Stop buying a lot of this stuff we don't need. We don't need 900 pair of Nikes. We don't need fake hair for women in India for $200. We need to start saving our money. And last but not least, don't even depend or take for, 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 for reality to believe that a president can do something for you. You're supposed to do for yourself. That's the problem. We don't want nobody to do for us, but they train us to think that we can't help ourselves. We are competent. We are smart. We can help ourselves. Trump can't do no worse than Obama. He can't do no worse than Bush. He can't do no worse than Clinton. He can't do no worse than Reagan. He can't do no worse than Jimmy Carter. All right? It's on us. We are not stupid. We are competent. We can do whatever we want to. We don't need nobody to help us do anything unless we just lazy and we can't do nothing. We're not smart. And I don't believe that. It's interesting that you said
0: um, that we need to have school choice, because if you look back in history, when we're looking at the Freedmen's Bureau, <laughs> that they was the originators of school choice, mm-hmm. you know, and even when, You know, so-called emancipation and when they freed the slaves and they tried to bring them back for labor, one of the things they told them, okay, we'll work until this land, but we need you to build our school right here on this land. So we was the originators of of school choice. But I think the thing that happened is that when we let the missionaries come in and those that Mm -hmm. don't look like us Mm -hmm. and don't have our best interests at hand Mm -hmm. come in and start running these schools and start building these schools because at that time, they used to let the blacks run the school yeah we ran everything yeah you know so i'm not opposed to uh school choice you know my whole thing is that when you have big corporations that come in and there's a money incentive and there's no accountability
1: Mm -hmm. i agree with that but i mean but we have the same thing with these these schools that we give all our tax money to all i'm saying is like yeah you're right but do you want it? okay, you, would you like, if you go to your child's school right down the street and everybody flunking out, ain't nobody reading by the time they get tired, you, you still want to just send it Should You have the right to say, oh, I got to take my child out. I want my money to go with her. That's all I'm saying.
0: I, I want to have the choice where I can take them somewhere else. That's all I'm saying. You know, but the problem that I have with uh, charter schools that that um, there's no accountability. And if you look at Louisiana, mm-hmm. right, where there's no public schools. Everything is chartered right. in that whole entire state. Uh-huh they're doing worse now than they did when they had the public school. And the reason why is because there's no accountability. They're allowed to open as many as, as, as they want. And they should have a situation where um, you, you can only open, open up a certain amount of schools. And then if you have four failing schools, you shouldn't be allowed to open up five more within the next six months. And then, who are getting these contracts mm-hmm. to build the school, to run the mm-hmm. schools? And then, when you have investors like uh, the guy that owns Facebook, you know, and then when you have the Cox brothers and all these people that's invested into it, it's almost like, you know, um, they taking the investment. The it's a hustle. Way. Yeah.
1: They make money off of it, they yeah. get the right off. But I agree with you. You know, like I said, you know, you know, I, this is the first year my daughter going to school. because was I home to school. Now she's in the sixth grade. She's in the charter school. I'm the vice chairman of the board. So, I mean, I agree with you. You got to have accountability. But I'm saying I have much more control in this school than I had in the public school, and I was PTA president, you oh, know. My. And all I'm saying is that, And I, you know, I, go to, I, I see black women. I don't see no black men in there. But it go, it, I'm going to tell you, it goes back again to what I said about segregation. A lot of black folks were led to believe that they were missing something because they were not with white people. You know what I mean? And that social dictum of we have to all to be together, be equal, did something to disrupt us. Because a lot of times we didn't have no choice. We had to do what we had to do. You know what I mean? And your point about the missionary is very true. But I will also go back to say that we do not value education as much as we used to 40 years ago. I read four hours a day. My daughter at the library all day for three hours from school every day. How many parents you know got library cards to take their kids to the library every day? How many parents do you know read more than they look at TV? The average black person looks at TV five hours a day. Wow. You know what I mean? That's and you awesome. know what they say. Rich people have big libraries and small TVs, and poor people have big TVs and small libraries. Oh,
0: you see my library over there,
1: brother. But you know how mine. You ain't seen my degree of nah, it.
0: Nah, I ain't see that. But I, I, I got a sizable library, but I also have that big TV over there. Too. Oh, yeah. I ain't got so no TV.
1: I ain't got no cable. So it's my fault. It ain't, it ain't nothing wrong with it. I'm just being real. I mean, you you, you got to look at it like that. And it's about the choices we make. Some people want to choose to look, look at uh, uh, the TV awards on. Some people want to sit at home and go to sleep, read a book. You know what I mean? I, I cook breakfast and dinner every day. I don't eat out. You know, and people be wondering you know, how you get money to buy this and that. I was like, you know, I, I changed my own brakes on my car, put my own spark plugs in. I changed my own oil. You know what I mean? And, and they said, how do you have money to invest? I said, you could invest $20 a week. Say $20 a week. You'd be surprised at how much you could do. But a lot of times, you know, we just don't look at it that way. We so busy out there trying to be uh, impressing people we don't know. Impressing people we don't know. So,
0: Impress people that we don't know. With money we don't have.
1: Because we know most of the time we borrowing the money, right? And then the people that don't like us, <laughs>
0: we, we, we spend our money
4: with.
1: Yep.
0: Let's go a little bit back to politics, right? All right. Um, I'm a firm believer that on the local level that we can make significant amount of change. Now, Barack Obama is the result of a continuous and long struggle, right, to become president. Because if you look back, uh, we had Oscar DePriese. Uh, he was the first African-American congressman uh, during the post-Reconstruction. Then we had Harold Washington.
1: Which uh, was Chicago.
0: Uh, yeah, he was the first mayor of Chicago. Carol, PBS
1: Pinchback, who's the first governor of Louisiana, black, in
0: 1804. Yeah, we had uh, Carol Mosley, the first Braun. African-American
1: Sim, female. He's second. a lot of Chicago cats. Yeah,
0: yeah. Jesse Jackson, who launched the first credible
1: Presidential uh, campaign. Presidential campaign gave yeah. us gave us the uh, divided vote, whereby you get partial if you win so many proportions in the city, which would have otherwise Obama wouldn't have been able to win.
0: Yeah, so Obama uh, owes his credit to being president. To oh, we
1: people. all stand on the backs of everybody, baby. Yeah.
0: So, so who do we have now? Obama had them, right? Who do we have now? And don't you think that it's real significant? What is it about Chicago? Because everybody I named came up out of Chicago, yeah. I think, except for Carol Mosley, correct?
1: Carol Mosley? No, she was from Chicago. Oh, she was, from, so she from was the senator from Middle North.
0: Yeah, so everybody I named came from Chicago. What is it about that city that was able to produce these type of men?
1: Well, and women. Uh, Chicago-
0: and women. And then why now <laughs> Chicago is being viewed as, in the spotlight with Donald Trump? where he's saying that he got to send in the feds. Is it because he know that the next presidential candidate who could possibly be a black male or a female can emerge from that area? What are your thoughts on that? Uh,
1: you know, I'm no prognosticator. I don't have no crystal ball. You know, I can only speculate. But I do believe that one thing historically is that we know about the Chicago political voting machine regarding Democrats, you know, started with the, uh, I forgot his name, his whole family. um uh, 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 they were mirrors, and they would just bust people in and keep. And they had to Is much-
0: that the um made it daily.
1: Yeah, the dailies, yeah. the daily machine. You, we all. Well, I'm not gonna speak. Yeah. We all know how they worked. You know what I mean? Buying people playing, but I'm saying that machine, even though they might have stopped or may not have, was there for them. And that that's a powerful machine. You know, that's one thing that uh, Obama was able to do was to tap into the mechanics of that machine and and just uh, mold it for a 21st century uh internet operation that could maximize the same thing. Instead of going to the uh bus stop and handing out flies, you can go to Facebook or you can do an email list to Tennessee or an email list to uh Charlotte, North Carolina, and you know, you have your stuff together. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I don't know about anybody coming out of Illinois or anywhere. In fact, if there was one Democrat who I would probably support in the future for presidency, it'd probably be Tulsi Gabbard. You know,
0: I'm not familiar.
1: Oh, she's a former military veteran Democrat from Hawaii. But well, just look it up. Y'all look it up. You know, what I mean, that's okay. probably that's
0: my homework for today. I'm going um, to do a Google. But shoot. I don't
1: I don't think Trump is that erudite to even be so. um uh, Futuristic as to suspect who's gonna come from where. Uh, I think he's so caught up in the moment. You know what I mean? You know, once an entertainer, always entertainer. You know, like you know, who's looking at me? What's my dress for tonight? Uh, Who's doing my hair? Uh, What's for dinner? Are the cameras here? You know? That's how entertainers think. They don't really think about that. Ronald
0: Reagan was an entertainer. He was an actor.
1: Yeah, he was. And I remember going to Nigeria when I lived there doing my postdoc. They was like, "Man, how did y'all vote for an actor for president?" That's what they would always ask me. you know but hey things are things are changing man i mean look we had a comedian who became the president of bolivia uh we had a uh professional sports team owner who became the president Brazil. I mean, around the world, these types of things are changing. You know, we're not caught in this mold anymore of the traditional oligarchs and plutocrats telling us who we should and who we should not vote for. People are exercising uh, a a, a stand of of levity that shows that you know we're we're making these decisions. We don't have to take the choices you give us. And for one reason, I think it makes sense. You know, America came up through trial and error. I mean, when you look at Reed Madison. And you read uh, how he and and John Jay and Jefferson talked about the importance of a citizenry, a citizenry merchant class government, where the people would leave business, come to the White House, and then go back to business. That's the way they wanted. They didn't want a, a thing of professional politics, because so they they figured you would get in there and you make become rich like uh, uh, Barbara, barber uh, Nancy Pelosi. She came to Congress worth less than fifty thousand dollars. Now she worth two hundred million dollars. She went to congress less than worth less than fifty thousand dollars, and now she worth two hundred million. Maxine Wa, the same thing might have been worth about forty fifty thousand dollars, and now she worth twenty five million you know they they figured that that would be the threat of America. These people go up there, start pimping the people, taking their money, not doing work but enriching themselves, and it would become what they call a uh econocracy. In fact, there's a new book by a guy at the University of Manchester I gotta to go get called The Econocracy. Uh, why We Shouldn't Listen to Professional Politicians and economic Economists. It's a good book from what I've read so far, the one chapter.
0: All right. One more question before we go to commercial break. Donald Trump, one term president or two terms? I say two terms. Why?
1: Because I think a lot of what people are attacking now really is nothing of substance. He hasn't done anything. I mean, if you think about it, uh, people are upset over this Muslim ban and what? It's not a Muslim It's seven countries with less than 10% of all the Muslims in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's what they call tricknology. Just like uh, Malcolm talked about it, how they can make us think about these things and not really be what we think, but it's what they want us to believe. It's like the uh, migration stand. This Operation uh, Crosscheck happened last year under Obama this time. They, what, what 3,700 migrants were checked, but they didn't put it on TV. Happened the year before. In fact, Operation Crosscheck was Obama's baby to immigration. He did this for five years under uh uh Jeb uh I forgot the name also on homeland and human Secu- house oh, homeland security jeb yeah. but I forget, under him every uh they do it twice a year every 6 months they would go these uh these stings and sweeps and, and pick up 2000 3000 4000 but the me- the media didn't cover it because the narrative for the Democrats was that they was pro immigration. Because their whole narrative is that we need to have these Latinos and Hispanics support us. Uh, another example when we talk about the, the 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 raid in Yemen, you know, one man was killed. It's, it's horrible. But you know, Bill Clinton had three Apache helicopters go down in Somalia, where uh, forty-two people were killed. Uh, uh, Jimmy Carter tried to rescue people when he was president from Iran. Two helicopters crashed. Thirty people was killed. You know what I'm saying? That's so
0: when Jesse Jackson went over there.
1: Uh, that was after that, yeah. Oh, that was after that. Yeah, but it was, yeah, during the period when he was trying to, help. yeah, but I'm saying, you know, they don't show us this because they know news is what they tell you, you know what I mean? And like I say, if you don't control your mind, I mean, if you only accept what they give you, then you have to really ask yourself, well, what are they not telling me? Or why are they telling me this? Yeah. I mean, think about it. They show us every day about Aleppo, but they show us nothing about Mosul or Sinai and Yemen or uh, any of those other places they bombing. I mean, last year, Obama administration dropped 26,119 bombs on Muslim people. They killed over 60,000 innocent men, women, and children, and 200 combatants. I must admit. But now these people mad that Trump is keeping these people in that Obama was bombing and killing. You know what I'm saying? You were not mad when he was killing them, but you mad that he ain't letting them in. I'm like, we got to get off this cognitive dissonance, bro, and think for ourselves. What George Clinton say, free your mind and your ass will follow." You know, again, if you don't think for yourself, somebody else will. And like I said, I'm not here to tell you be Republican or Democrat. I don't care. You be Republican or Democrat. I'm neither. You know what I mean? I just think for myself and you should think for yourself because the betterment and the empowerment of of, of our communities depend on it. We can't have no slaves out here leading our children into the future. They got that. They got
0: TV. That's why I like always speaking to you because you always come with a different
1: perspective. You allow us to think. Yeah, I'm and a country boy. I'm sorry. I ain't got TV or cable, so you know how it is. I ain't had it for about, what, 11 years now. I don't even look at TV, no cable, nothing. I just read.
0: And it's the internet for you.
1: Well, I mean, well, I, mean I, do it. I don't have internet at home. I, can, I wrote a program that turns my phone into a hotbox, because they wouldn't give me one for this phone, so I, used, I had to make my own application.
0: So you made own, your own application to turn your phone into a hotbox?
1: Yeah. In fact, if you go on Twitter right now, you see I'm tweeting right now. I don't never be online when I'm tweeting most of the time. I, I wrote a Python code that streams through my server to all the tweets. The stuff I read the night before, they stream at intervals. That's amazing. You know, you should actually put that app out. Well, somebody was trying to get me to do that, but, you know, it's no big deal.
0: No big deal. The, the Technology is the way of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have the next Twitter, the next Facebook. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, we I, need that. I know, but know? I, I still think land, owning land is the future. Because they ain't making no more land. You can always make a new application.
0: So we're going to go to a commercial break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Thomas Stevens about his many books, how you can get them, and how you can find him on social media. This is Necessary Blackness, and my name is Raheem Shabazz. Stay
1: tuned. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic, because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought.
3: Hey Atlanta, have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404-493-0523 zero five two three true detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those he washers just one ounce removes dirt brightens fabrics and leaves each load with a clean fresh scent best of all true contains no animal products and it's safe for sensitive skin follow us on social media true detergent atl
2: Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education Versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz-Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com.
4: For the latest in urban gear, come to franchise clothing. We're at 901 Roswell Street, Marietta, Georgia, three zero zero six zero. Again, for the latest hip hop, urban, and streetwear, come to Franchise Clothing, nine zero one Roswell Street in Marietta, Georgia. Ask for Sheenway, and she will help serve your needs. We have everything from Nike, Adidas, Prada. We have purses, everything that you're looking for as far as urban and hip hop apparel. Again, that's Franchise Clothing, nine zero one Roswell Street, Marietta, Georgia.
0: Okay, we back with Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Torrance Stevens. And we're going to discuss some of his books and what he has going on. Now, brother, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that you have 21 books. Yeah. Can you give us at least five uh, 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 of books that uh, you think will resonate with our readers? I'm sure all of them will, but let me give us the top five dead or alive.
1: Uh well I tell you what I, I won't go with the uh, fiction but uh I have a book called the Legacy of the Bush Obama Keynesian Dialect and Income Inequality in America it's basically a collection of essays about 212 pages looking at the impact of Keynesian economic theory and philosophy on the contribution to income inequality in America, and particularly among people of color and minority communities who have not had the uh, benefit of the advantage of intergenerational transfer of wealth, you know, money coming from generation to generation to build coffers like most traditional wealth in America is built. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one called Nobel Neocolonialism. Colonialism. U.S., West African, West Asian, North, and East African foreign policy under the Obama administration. And I call it this because uh, Obama, when he won the Nobel Peace Prize in December of 2009, I believe, he gave a speech in Egypt. And the policies that he outlined in that speech in Egypt led me to believe that it would be probably just a little bit more the same with what George Bush did. I did not know it was going to be extended even more so with the enhancement of droning of bombs, particularly in Libya, uh, 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 overthrowing established governments, funding uh, nations who have hatred for us, uh, just like Bush did. He was Bush 10 times over. Um, I have another book called Negro Comfortable. And it basically is about two hundred and eighty pages of essays that describe the current uh purview that I see in African Americans being more concerned about materialism that is not of anything mentally or personally empowerment empowering, but more so of what I own, what I have, uh, the kind of garbage you put in your mind looking at TV all the time, and how it basically gets to that people. Uh, I got comfortable. Just because you got a black president don't mean you're free. And once they got a black president, they stopped doing everything that should have been done to build upon him and yourself and our communities. Instead, we got comfortable. You know, it's like being free in name only. In order to be free, you have to be empowered. You have to have intellect. You have to be intelligent. You have to know the laws. Um, A book I'm working on now is called. Free in name only, ironically. And it's a revisit Wait, Say
0: that again. Free
1: in name only.
0: Free in name only.
1: Right. It's a historical and behavioral revisitation of the Memphis ethnic cleansings of eighteen sixty six. Now I have a I don't believe in race rise. Rise mean it's equal and stuff. But most of the things that they call race rides in America, again, you know, mind control, they call them race rides, but they were really ethnic cleansings because black folks took a loss. Whether it was Atlanta, whether it was Tulsa, whether it was Knoxville, whether or not it was down in Dessalines, in New Orleans, or in Memphis for those three days in May, May 1st, May 2nd, and May 3rd. You know, there was no equal outcome. It was just ethnic cleansing. And again, this is what I am say we got to control our mind because they can tell us it's a race ride and we walk around, well, that was called a race ride when it really wasn't. Words matter words matter, man. We have to be more cognizant of these games that people use to manipulate and to control us.
0: Now, let me ask you a question. You said that it was ethnic cleansing. Yes. Is that because after the riots, the blacks was pushed out and the, the area was uh, gentrified with whites moving in and it was building up? Is that what you said? No, this
1: was eighteen I'm saying it because, what, 400 and some black people were killed in three whites.
0: Oh, oh, you're talking about ethnic cleansing as far as dying. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: I said They call it a ride, but a ride means y'all both got y'all got y'all putting hands on each other. When when one person getting laid on all day long and the other one ain't getting touched, that ain't no ride to me. Yeah. You know, but they, they tell us that. So, you know, that's my next book and after that, uh, I'm gonna put together a book I wanna write on Abraham Lincoln and the genocide of the Native Americans. A lot of people don't know that Abraham Lincoln had a very, very stringent a policy of Indian eradication and Indian extermination. Uh, he, he oversaw one of the largest mass hangings, the largest mass hangings in American history. And, you know, I want people to understand this because they teach you in these schools that Lincoln freed the slaves. Lincoln ain't freed no slaves. You know, he gave you the Emancipation Proclamation, but that only freed slaves in the Union armies. Everybody else was still a slave. Slavery didn't, I mean, wasn't obviated until the ratification of the thirteenth, fourteenth amendment, uh which was ratified by three fourths of the states in the union uh years after Lincoln's death. Lincoln didn't free the slaves, but they got they put that in your mind. You know, like you know, praise property free made. No, bro. Manicipation proclamation did not free no slaves. In fact, there were two states in the union that were allowed to keep their slaves because it assisted in the war effort.
0: Let me ask you something, right? I was reading something and I and I gotta do some research on it, and I had, you know, highlighted it like that. Wow, that's an instant. Interesting analysis. Mm-hmm. And what it was saying was the reason why slaves was considered three-fifths, three-fourths, or three-fifths. Three fifth yeah, the reason why they was considered three-fifths of a human being is because if a slave master, let's say, owned five slaves, that was considered one vote, and they was able to be able to get more votes like that you know well, I
1: mean? it, well, it didn't really give them more votes. what it did it reduced the capacity of votes because of the way the constitution was written so people in the north, In places like New York and Delaware, with less slaves than somewhere like Georgia, South Carolina could be raised on the same par with the with the masses. You know what I mean? Because they were counting every head, and the people in Delaware and was saying like, "No, bro, you can't. You got slaves, man. I ain't got no slaves." Well, each slave would be three fifths per person, so it really reduced the value of the man size in those states. It didn't give them a great advantage. That's
0: what I meant to say. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Okay, okay. So yeah, I I I was trying to really
1: understand
0: that. Yeah, and
1: another thing people need to clear up this 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 argument about 40 acres and a mule, there was never anything put in law, a promise of 40 acres and a mule. Now, there was a congressman, as I'm working on it for my new book, who introduced it into Congress, but before it could hit the floor, it was obviated. You know, they said, no, we're not going to take a roll on the boom. So there was never even a submission for 40 acres and a mule, nor a vote in Congress for that. But well, we under the, the misconception that it was. Well, you know what my grandmama said? What's she say? Hide something from nigga put in a book.
0: So y'all heard that. This is Necessary Blackness with Dr. Thomas Stevens. Y'all better pick up them books, educate yourself, cut off the TV.
1: Yeah, you can. I, my blog is called The Womb is a Sterile Environment, Not a Memory Hole, Unless You Are a Pussy.
0: Woo! How can people reach you? Because you know after this go live, everybody going to want to... Hit you up?
1: I don't know. You can find me on Twitter at RawDogBuffaloThoughtCrime uh, and like I said, my blog, the womb is a sterile environment, not a memory hole unless you're a pussy. And I do the memory hole thing because, you know, Orwell in 1984 talked about memory holes, how where the government, one of the three governments of Oceania and Atlantic, all those places, would change history. They would take things out of history so people would forget. You know, it reminds me like the Confederate flag, you know, I'm like, I want to see all these Confederate uh, statues around here. You know why? Because I don't want to forget. Because y'all will forget. You don't see Jews taking the the names down from Buchenwald and Auschwitz. You know what I'm saying? You don't see them getting rid of the swastika. You know why? Because they're going to make you remember that every day of your life and your child's life and their children's life, they understand the significance and the impact of history. We want to hide our pain. No, pull it out. Let all these crackers know how we feel. Every day every hour every minute
0: necessary blackness it's necessary to be black to remain black and to remain strong i'll see y'all next week my name is raheem shabazz what's up family Before we go, let me let you know that we are doing a fundraiser for Elementary Genocide 3 Academic Holocaust. As many of y'all know, each and every documentary I have funded out of my pocket. We are now asking for help from our supporters and our community. We are 85% done. So make sure you visit our website. In a few days, we will have the link to our Indiegogo campaign and we're going to raise the funds and we're going to get this done. Also, this Friday, February 17th, Mental Dialogue Live Experience will be showing a screening of elementary genocide, the school to prison pipeline, and I will be there doing the Q&A after the screening of the documentary and that's friday february 17th that will be 7 p.m at urban grind and the address is 962 marietta street northwest atlanta georgia 30318 peace and love family and i'll see you next week right here on necessary blackness podcast and my name is raheem shabazz